for a few years, actually, as I've been hearing young people speak about the future, there seems to be a lot of talk about finishing the gospel in this generation. It's pretty exciting to me to think that young people are thinking that way today and that they want to give their life in the direction of finishing the gospel. But tonight, we have to think about whether you're willing to pay the price. Because unless the price is paid, this generation will have the same outcome as any other generation. Of course, I do believe there's a point at which God will finish it regardless of what's going on. He has ways that he can work. But tonight, I want to talk to you about God's special group, the 144,000. Well, we first read about this in Revelation 7, verse 4. It says, I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So some people think that this applies to the Jews. But Paul has given us the key to the situation. Hmm. Well, this clicker is not working too good. In uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 9, it says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. Now, Paul is not just introducing something in the New Testament here. He's talking about the Old Testament as well. He's saying not everybody that calls himself a Jew is a Jew. They have to have a converted experience. They have to have the born-again experience. Otherwise, they're not a Jew. But, of course, he's also looking into the New Testament, and he's pointing out that in the New Testament, we're not looking at the Jews. We're looking at those that yield their lives fully to the life of Jesus. And then, of course, we go on and take a look a little bit at some of the things that have been said about this group. In the first selected messages, page 174. Oh, great. I don't like this method. <laughs> it is not his plan that his people shall present something which they have to suppose which is not taught in the word. It is not his will 
that they shall get into controversy over questions which will not help them spiritually, such as, who is to compose the 144,000? Now that quote, some people read, and then they don't want to think about this at all. They just want to forget about it. But God has revealed quite a bit about this group. So we can't really just put it on the shelf. There are certain limits to what we can understand, but we need to understand all that's written. It says this, those who are the elect of God will in a short time know without question. Now, we still don't know, but apparently soon we're supposed to find out who's in that group. But I believe we can find out the type of people that are going to be in that group. Now, here's what the warning is for. In Life Sketches, page 110 and 111, here's one of the things that happened in the past. One brother held that the 1,000 years of the 20th chapter of Revelation were in the past, and that the 144,000 mentioned in the 7th and 14th chapters of Revelation were those raised at Christ's resurrection. You remember the Bible talks about that there were a lot of graves opened when that earthquake happened, and when Jesus came out of the tomb, a whole bunch of people, the Bible calls it a multitude of captives, came out of the tomb. He said that was the 144,000. That's one of the reasons that God instructed Ellen White don't argue over who they are because you got it wrong when you come up with ideas like this. That's not the 144,000. Hmm. In uh, Lift Him Up, page 377, it says, Now is reached the complete fulfillment of those words of the angel. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. 144,000 is what's being talked about here. They are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. Now, well, that came from Zechariah 3.8. Then it explains a little bit. Christ is revealed as the redeemer and deliverer of his people. Now, indeed, are the remnant men wondered at, as the tears and humiliation of their pilgrimage give place to joy and honor in the presence of God and the Lamb. So it's picturing that they've been through all those events and now they are seen as men wondered at. This connects, if you read the before and after this quote, it connects the 144,000 with that statement. Now, 
In uh, Review and Herald of March 9, 1905, it says, we are to copy no human being. There is no human being wise enough to be our criterion. We are to look to the man, Christ Jesus, who is complete in the perfection of righteousness and holiness. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the pattern man. His experience is the measure of the experience that we are to gain. That's the key sentence. And from here on, we see something that tells us who the 144,000 are going to be. It says his experience, meaning Jesus' experience, is the measure of the experience that we are to gain. All those that say that's impossible are going to fall off. They're not going to make it for that. But those that believe it, no matter how many contraindications there are in your life, they will get it if they're living at the right time for this to happen. Then it goes on to say, his character is our model. Let us then take our minds off the perplexities and difficulties of this life. Is that where our focus is? The perplexities and difficulties of this life? We're never going to make it to be like Jesus if that's where our focus is. We have to put it on becoming like him. Then it says, let us then take our minds off the perplexities and difficulties of this life and fix them on him that by beholding we may be changed into his likeness. We may behold Christ to good purpose. We may safely look to him, for he is all wise. Now you might wonder, why are you reading that in a sermon on the 144,000? Well, the last sentence tells us, as we look to him, and think of him, he will be formed within the hope of glory. And then the very next paragraph in the Review and Herald says, let us strive with all the power that God has given us to be among the 144,000. So even though we can't say who's going to be in it, at the same time, we're told that we need to strive with all the power that God has given us to be among the 144,000. And those that expect to finish the gospel in their generation, guess what? They're going to be the people that have to reach this level. And so... The first paragraph that I read tells us how we are to strive to be among the 144,000. And if that's not our orientation, then we really aren't expecting and wanting the gospel to be finished in this generation. Because the two go together. 
We're going to have to take our mind off the perplexities and difficulties that Satan brings up to try to take our attention, and we're going to have to put it where it belongs and keep it there and strive to become like Jesus, believing that it can happen. Now, the other text in the Bible that addresses this group has more uh, to say about it. In Revelation 14, verse 1, John says, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Here's a key. We see Jesus in the middle, and we see this group of 144,000 surrounding him. Verse 3, and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. So obviously, there's two groups. There actually is more than two. But in this text, there's two groups. There's the 144,000, and there's the rest of the redeemed. And the song that the 144,000 can sing, the rest cannot sing that song. Why? Because it's a song of experience, and nobody else has gone through that experience except uh, Jesus. He went through it even more than they did. <coughs> In Great Controversy, page 649, it makes that point clear. It says, they sing a new song before the throne, a song which no man can learn save the 144,000. It is the song of Moses and the Lamb. So the children of Israel went through an experience and they were able to sing a song. This seems to be a foundation for this song, a song of deliverance. So this group gets delivered from more than what Moses and the children of Israel got delivered from. None but the 144,000 can learn that song, for it is the song of their experience, an experience such as no other company have ever had. So, do you really want to see the gospel finished in your generation? If so, you need to be prepared and be willing to go through an experience that nobody else has ever been through. Then it says, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These, having been translated from the earth, from among who? The living. So these are not people that die. You know, people, people get mixed up sometimes because Ellen White said that she would be with the 144,000. They forget the word with. She died. It's people that are living when Jesus comes. 
Uh, also, it tells what they went through, at least in brief here. Great Controversy 648. They have passed through the time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Now, part of what that's talking about is the seven last plagues. There's going to be war on the earth. We're told that thousands of ships will go down. There's going to be all kinds of disasters that's going to make what's going on now look like nothing. And they will have gone through that experience. Also, they have endured the anguish of the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, the anguish that people have to go through there is the closest to the Gethsemane experience that human beings can stand. It's, it's not going to be identical, but it's going to be as close to that as human beings can handle. And they're going to wish for the cup to be removed. Now, as we go through this, we need to know that not one of the 144,000 will fail when they go through that. And so Jesus has a plan. We don't have to be worried about it, but we do have to be willing to go through the experience. Then it says, they have stood without an intercessor through the final outpouring of God's judgments. In other words, they have to rise above every sin to where they never have to confess any sin. Why? Because there's no intercessor anymore. There's nobody to obtain forgiveness. Now, I know a lot of people, when we start thinking about that, they say, well, I might as well give up now because there's no way I could ever be like that. God is not asking whether you think you can be like that or not. He knows how to make you like that. The question is, are you willing to go through what it takes to become like that? And, you know, even now, we're going to have to go through some things to become like that, and it's going to keep on getting worse. But the question is, are you willing? If you are, he can get you there. He can carry you successfully through it. But he wants us to know ahead of time what we're going to experience, at least to some degree. It says, but they have been delivered, or they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they were busy before the close of probation, washing their robes, confessing their sins, and as a result, when probation closes, they are ready to not yield to sin at all. They have seen the earth wasted with famine and pestilence, the sun having power to scorch men with great heat, and they themselves have endured suffering, hunger, and thirst. You know, if we gripe now because God doesn't protect us from something, how are we ever going to go through? We have to stop complaining about what he doesn't protect us from because he has to build up our strength. He has to help us get to the place where we can go through anything and not complain, not give up. 
but to go through whatever is placed in our pathway. Going back to Revelation 14, verse 4, it says, These are they which were not defiled with women. Now, this, this is not saying that nobody ever had any false doctrine. You know, women here is talking about church, because in Revelation, when it's talking about a woman, it's talking about a church. A pure woman is a pure a church, an impure woman is an impure church. And it's not saying that they never had any connection with sin or with an impure church, but that they have cut loose from that. And they are now completely undefiled with false churches, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Now in the Bible, you don't have to have to be first to be chronologically first. It doesn't have to be that way. First in the Bible frequently is talking about the best. We could call this Exhibit A. This is the best sample of human beings that existed on earth. Why? Because they went through what nobody else went through, and they came out successful because of God's power. You know, they don't take any credit. All the power is God's power, and they know it. But they come through, and they become the first fruits. And what we already read seems to indicate that this is going to be the priesthood in the, the life ahead of us. The priesthood, like the Levites were for the Israelites. These are going to be the priests up in heaven that follow Jesus wherever he goes. Can you think of any better privilege? You know, I hope that young people get it done. I'd like to be in this. But, you know, I don't have too many more years, so you're going to have to get it done soon. Verse 5 says, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So there's several places in the text that tells us the spiritual condition of this group of people. In uh, Life Sketches, page 217, it says, As we were about to enter the temple, this is now the heavenly sanctuary, Jesus raised his lovely eyes and said, Only the 144,000 enter this place. And we shouted, Hallelujah. To me, that settles it. They will be the priests. Wherever Jesus goes, they'll be with him, just like those 12 disciples were with him everywhere he went. Is it worth going through what we have to go through to get that privilege? Absolutely. Once we're there, nobody will complain about anything they ever had to go through because they will be eternally in the presence of Jesus. Now, everybody will be blessed, but they will have 
that privilege. Going on in uh, Life Sketches, it says the temple was supported by seven pillars, all of transparent gold set with pearls most glorious. The things I saw there I can but faintly describe. Oh, that I could talk in the language of Canaan. Then could I tell something of the glory of the better world. I saw their tables of stone in which the names of the 144,000 were engraved in letters of gold. I don't know whether that means God already has them written down or what, but it sounds like possibly they're already written down. He knows who's going to let him do what he can do in their life. And their name is already there. But if it's not, she just had a fast forward and was able to see what will be, you know, in the future. <clears throat> now, here's one especially for you young people from Our High Calling, page 292. Here's one of the prices you have to be willing to pay. Oh, that every one of our youth would realize the evil of foolish conversation and correct the habit of speaking idle words. There's something about when we're young that it seems like we fall into that trap of doing that. And so here, in the setting of what we're studying, it's calling the youth away from those practices. Let everyone who has indulged in this sin repent of it. Now, it's not only young people that have a problem with this. Everyone can have it. Confess it before God and put it far from him. In speaking foolish words, you have dishonored the name of Christ. For you have misrepresented him in character. No word of guile was found <clears throat> in his lips. Talking about Jesus. Jesus didn't do that. As a child, as a teenager, as a youth, he didn't do that. <clears throat> no word of prevarication or falsehood. The people that are described as making up the 144,000 have the Father's name written in their foreheads. And of them, it is said, in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So you notice the setting of this special call to the youth to leave aside that kind of talk <clears throat> and that kind of waste of time and uh, let your life Follow in the path of Jesus. He said at 12 years old, I must be about my father's business. And that's what it's going to take. Otherwise, it's a lot of talk about finishing the gospel in our generation. But there is a price that has to be paid. We must follow more closely the life of Jesus in third testimonies 266 
It says, especially in the closing work for the church, in the sealing time of the 144,000 who are to stand without fault before the throne of God, will they feel most deeply the wrongs of God's professed people. So if you see what's going on in the Adventist church in some places, and you feel that deeply and that troubles you and bothers you, maybe you are one of the ones that God is seeking to seal and to prepare for this group. This is forcibly set, before, set forth by the prophet's illustration of the last work under the figure of the men, each having a slaughter weapon in his hand. Now, I have studied this subject before, but I hadn't made the connection between Ezekiel 9 and <clears throat> what is going to happen to those that are getting ready to be the 144,000. But apparently there's a connection here. And as they witness what's going on, they get more and more concerned about it and uh, anxious that the church will get cleaned up from these things. Now, in closing, we want to take a look at who it will be. In uh, Heavenly Places, page 298, it says, The Lord has a people on the earth who follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. He has his thousands who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So here are individuals. We don't know where they all come from, but we know there's one characteristic. They have never bowed the knee to Baal. Heavenly Places, page 298. <clears throat> we shall follow the Lamb of God in the courts above only if we follow him here. So that statement in Revelation 14 is not just talking about the future. It's true in the future that they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. But it's also talking about those that are learning to do that here. And whatever he says, that's what we're uh, choosing to do. And if we have to pray and ask for power to do it, that's what we do. But we're interested in everything that he said that we're supposed to do. Also in the Review and Herald of uh, May 27, 1902, those who follow Christ here will one day follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And signs of the times of January 31, 1900, those who follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth, will know what it means to feel the wrath of the dragon. A power from beneath will cooperate with the apostate churches against those who obey the truth. But those who are willing to be among that group are willing to withstand all the wrath of the dragon. Not in their own strength. They don't think, I can do it, Lord. You know, I can handle it. No. 
They think the exact opposite. Lord, I don't see how I can handle this, but I'm trusting in you that you will make it possible to experience this. And one more. In 21st Manuscript Releases, page 23, it means depth and breadth of experience to follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. So we have to be interested in a deeper experience, a broader experience. Self-denial and self-sacrifice will always be found in the path that leads through the straight gate to the broad meadows of the Lord's pastures. So there are some of the qualifications that those that become a part of this group are going to have. As I look through all of what I've shared with you, there's basically two qualifications for people to be in that group. The first one is those who allow Jesus to fully live in them and conquer all sin. Those who say, yes, that's what I want. No matter how much I'm still falling right now, I still want that. I'm after that. I'm going to press on and get that. That person, if they, if they live during the times we talked about, they will be in that group. The second qualification is those who live through end times and see Jesus alive. So those that have those two qualifications, and we don't know whether it'll be us, although the signs of Christ's coming look like is very likely to be us. And if this idea uh, continues to mushroom with the young people that we want to see Jesus come in this generation, and people are faithful to tell the young people what that means, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen in this generation. Why do I believe that? Because the gospel went to all the world in one generation after Jesus left to go back. So... That means it's always been possible since God started the Adventist church. It's always been possible for one generation to see Jesus come. And if this generation believes it and is willing to say, Jesus, you can do it. I'm willing to submit. You do it through me. I'm willing to go through whatever I have to go through. Then that generation is going to have the privilege of following Jesus wherever he goes throughout eternity. Now tonight, maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to some of you. If you're not, you know, below 30, it's okay. But uh, I'm speaking especially to the youth. How many of you tonight, having listened to all of this, are willing to say, Jesus, I can see it's not going to be an easy road. But I choose to believe tonight that you can carry me, carry me through it, and I want to strive to be among the 144,000. 